Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Good morning. What a good day. You know, I, uh, I rarely... In fact, I can't remember the last time I woke up on a Sunday morning and said, you know, I don't want to go to church. Now, technically speaking, you can't really go to church. You know this because you are the church if you're the people of God. But going to the church house, let's say it that way, right? Um, So it's always a good thing to be here. And I've also found that whether or not church is good has very little to do with anybody else but me. You ever notice that? What I hear and how I hear it and my attitude makes all the difference in the world. I've, been, I've sat through some really bad sermons. Some of them are my own. <laughs> but I've still gotten some good stuff out of it, right? It all has to do, mostly anyways, with the ears of the hearer. Um, that's not to take responsibility off the preacher and everybody else that's, in, that's, that's uh, got responsibility. But most of the responsibility is, is ours for our own self. So a couple of comments before we start this morning. Um, I found out this morning when I got here that George Cairo, uh, one of our deacons, uh, died on Tuesday. And it, that, was our, that was our response as well. We go, what? Who knew? And nobody knew. We found out by uh, Colonel Davis. He read the uh, obituary and asked, said, is this, is this right? So... Um, Just so you know, George came by himself. His family is uh, in Pensacola, and and nobody nobody let us know. And so we just found out, and uh, they've already had the funeral. It was a private ceremony. And so I mourn that because I would have loved the opportunity to be a part of uh, celebrating his life. And if you knew George, which most of you did, he was a quiet, humble man who was radically rescued from uh, alcoholism uh, a number of years ago, and his testimony was very strong. God saved him from death and gave him life, and the best he could, he wanted to live that life uh, for Jesus up until, up until Tuesday. You know, my, first, my, my second reaction besides the, the shock was, man, he was, he was alone. But then I was reminded he wasn't alone. You know, he was... He was here one day in the next moment or one second the next moment he was in the presence of Jesus and so while we're sad uh for him he's he's in good company and um and so wanted to make sure you knew that and um I don't know that there's anything we can do if you if you knew any of his family if you want to send a card or a note I plan to reach out this week but um it's a it's an awkward thing isn't it um but to God be the glory, he knew Jesus. So um, remember, remember them in prayer this week. Um, the other thing I wanted to say is that I'm grateful for you. As the church, you have shown great grace and great concern and care for one another. And being able to watch that is a beautiful thing. I sat over here listening to you sing, and it was a marvelous, marvelous sound. Um, because it, it reminded me that that it's a group of, of of a group of people who have very different backgrounds, lots of deep wounds, lots of brokenness in the past, some in the present, and yet still, out of your voice came praise to a God that you believe. Not just believe in, but you believe. And that's the message today. Because sometimes we need to be reminded of the faith that we have and the faith that we need. Amen? So um, we're going to look at several different passages. Am I loud enough? Okay, good. My wife will tell you that I'm always loud enough. But let's not go there. So last week... I. Um, I finished the series on boundaries, and the overall point was when Jesus said in Matthew 
Um, he said, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. And, and he was really saying to us that, that we don't need to take oaths. We don't need to, um, to say yes and then prove it. We should be a person that says yes and we mean it and no and we mean it. And that's, that's as simple as that. And then um, somebody commented this week said, wouldn't it be great if we were reminded that God often says yes? And I go, you know, that's true. Because sometimes we forget that, that God says yes about a lot of stuff. Now, last week I told you that I gave you some examples of when Jesus said yes, but, but we, we sometimes look at, look at it differently. We look at Jesus as he lived on earth and we listen to his, the things that he said and, and we're, we, we kind of think to ourselves, that was maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, we think to ourselves, that was then, he was saying yes to those people but, but this is 2,000 years later. But as we'll see, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in, if he said yes to something that wasn't just an isolated event, if he said yes based on a principle or based on the character of who he is, then he's the same today as he was then. Sometimes the hardest thing for us to do is, is to, to tell between um, something of his character and something that was a unique situation. Does that make sense? Sometimes we want to say yes. God always does that. When God says no. I, I did that in that moment in that time. And then other times we say no. God doesn't do that anymore. And we, go, we have to look and say no. That's who God is. And so he's the same today as he was then. I don't know if you wrestle with that. But sometimes I do. How much is a command. And how much is just something that was a unique part of, 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 of history. But in order for us to look at. God saying yes, we have to look, and here's, here's the reason we can say that he's a God of yes, because since he said to us, let your yes be yes and let your no be no, he was saying to us, you need to look like me, not me, but me, right? God was saying of himself, I want you to reflect my nature, I want you to reflect my character, I want you to reflect my actions, so we know that God was a God whose yes was yes and whose no was no. Now, how many of you know that God is a yes and no God? Do you know that, right? Let's start with the negative. Let's get that out of the way. God sometimes says no. And no matter how much we want him to say yes, his answer is no. Now, he says no to different things. He says no to actions that we may want to take. He says no to some lifestyles we may want to live. He says no to some attitudes that we may want to have. And you and I are really good about justifying and trying to weasel our way around it. But at the end of the day, when God says no, his no means what? No. And no matter what we want, no matter what we feel, no means no. And, and I can give you multiple examples, but, but I won't because I think that you understand that very well. And... And, and so, you know, the way you know what God has said no to is simply to start looking through the word and say, okay, what, what in scripture does God specifically command me not to do? And those no's are the same for us as they are for any other believer. Now, we oftentimes treat God as a child would treat a parent. We think that if we badger and pester and maneuver enough, we can get them to eventually say yes. How many of you all know a toddler like that, right? They're really good about whining and, and pitching a fit and throwing themselves on the floor. But see, God is the perfect father. God does not ever just give in because we're pitching a fit. Now, he does sometimes say yes to teach us a lesson. We'll get to that in a minute. You don't want that to happen, by the way. Have you ever had that happen? I don't want to jump ahead, but you do not want God to say yes to teach you that, he, that you really needed to accept his no. He never just says yes, though, because you've bent him or you've, you've convinced him. No, when he says no, either to an attitude, an action, or a lifestyle... That no is eternal. And if we violate that no, there will be consequences. Amen? We can pretend there's not all day long. 
but we reap what we sow. If we do something God says, no, don't do that, there will always be consequences. And, and he's not like a human parent. He doesn't get beat down and he doesn't, um, he doesn't forget. He doesn't uh, grow weary. He, he's not blind. You can't do anything. See, that's the thing about God. You and I can't do anything behind his back that he doesn't know about. Now, kids can do that sometimes. I like to think that my kids don't think they can, but I'm sure they think they can. But eventually, eventually parents find out Sometimes it's when their kids are adults and they tell them that, hey, you didn't know this, but no, I didn't know that. And I'm glad I didn't know that. I'm just now finding out stuff my dad did that, quite frankly, I'm pretty proud of the, the ingenuity and creativity. But uh, some of those things, man, he, he shouldn't be alive today. Y'all have some of those, right? I've, I've, we were actually sitting at the lunch table two weeks ago with uh, my brother's uh, my brother's father-in-law and then my dad, and it was a big family get-together. And the two dads started telling stories of things that they did when they were our age. Well, not our age now, but when they were in their, in their late teens. And my jaw just dropped. I'm thinking, holy smokes. If we did that today, not only would we be arrested and go to jail, but we would have labels on us the rest of our life. We'd have to register, you know? I mean, there are... There are things that, that, that and, and the, the saying that came out of that lunch was, it was a different time. Now, do you agree with that? It was a different time, right? It was totally, but here's the thing. When God says no, there will always be repercussions to it. We cannot escape the, the discipline of God when we do what he says don't do. Now, in my own life, even right now, I'm wanting to do some, th- I, I don't want, it's not sin, but I'm wanting to make decisions ahead of God. And so I'm trying to slow down and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, but I really want you to hurry up. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, one of those I shared with, with, with the, the Wednesday night dinner group, I said, Look, I'm, I'm at a point now that I need, to, I need a vehicle to pull my camper. And what I thought I was going to use, I can't use. It's just not going to work. And so I'm now at three weeks out with no way to pull this thing. So we're going on sabbatical and have no way to get there. And so I'm wanting to make it happen. But the Lord's saying, slow down. You ever been there? So he's telling me no on this. And I'm saying yes. And he's saying no. And, and the only reason I haven't done something already is because I've been in this position before and I've gone ahead of God and I've paid the price for it. Now listen to me. When you go faster than God, it never works out good. Amen? And it doesn't matter what it is. If God says no even to a good thing... You are going you are, you are to get yourself into a situation that you don't want to be in. And so, sometimes God says no. Sometimes it's attitudes, a lifestyle, an action. could be any number of things, but his no means no. And then sometimes God says no simply to remind us of our own weakness. If you'll turn in your Bible to... Uh, for 2 Corinthians chapter 12. No doubt this is a familiar story to you. But I, I come back to this, this passage several times, especially when I'm asking for God to do something and he says no, and I say, Lord, I, I don't understand. I know that what I'm asking is good. I know that I, what I'm asking is, uh, it, it, it honors you, or at least I think it does. I know that what I'm asking is, is holy. Why are you telling me No. And undoubtedly, he leads me back to this passage in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we'll start in verse 7. I'll wait for you to turn there because I want you to see it. Just take your time. In 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7. Or because of these surpassing great revelations, therefore... 
In order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me, but he said to me, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in my weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Folks, we sometimes ask God for things that are not bad things. They're good things. They're helpful things. They're holy things. And sometimes, beyond our understanding, God says, my answer to this is no. Have you ever had that happen to you? You've prayed and prayed and prayed and you've asked God, God, I don't understand. Why won't you do this? And God says, my answer is no. And you know, if, if you're like me, you might go through the cycle of emotions. First, okay, fine. But then you ask again, okay, fine. But every time you ask and every time he says no, you kind of get a little more agitated and irritated with God. I know you may not have done that, but I've heard of people who do that, right? And so your prayers become a little more sharp and a little more anxious. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Let me tell you what he was saying. He was saying, Paul, what you're asking for or what you're asking of me is not a bad thing, but I want to give you something better. I could give you what you're asking But I want to give you something better. And what is better is my grace. There are some things that God says no to because it's part of his it's it's part of how he reminds us of his character and of his nature and of his presence. Now, I don't know and nobody knows what Paul's thorn was. There are speculations there. There are there are possibilities. But at the end of the day, all they are is is wonderings about what the thorn was. I suspect if he wanted us to know what the thorn was, he would have told us what the thorn was. You want to know why I think we don't know what that was? Because we would miss the principle because of the specific. We would say, oh, well, I have that thorn too. And we we would make a rule based on that thorn. No, this way he's going, look, there are some things I just say no to. And so Paul says, look, I've got this thorn I'm asking God, you keep saying no, but then you said, my answer is no, because there's something better, and that better is the grace that comes, because you need my grace because of this thorn. So my, my, my wondering is this, at what point will we become okay with God's grace in the midst of a no? At what point do we say to God, God, you know what? I'm going to stop pestering you about this because you clearly want something different. And I honestly don't have an answer for that. There's no scriptural rule on it. I think the answer, though, is this. I think the answer is we must get to the place in our heart where we trust the voice of God. Where we say to him, you know what, if you say no, that's good enough for me. Your no is as comforting as your yes. Think about that. What if you and I got to the point where we said to God, God, your no comforts me because it reminds me that I'm not the center of my universe. It reminds me that you are good and that you are kind and you are gracious. And because I believe these things about you, if you say no, it must be for some good reason. Now, isn't that what we dream for for all of our kids? I mean, isn't that what you want? Your kid comes in and says, Dad, I want to do this. No, okay, I trust you. <laughs> right? I mean, wouldn't that be the goal? As a dad, wouldn't you go, that's my boy. I mean, wouldn't you be awful proud and wouldn't you be happy? That's what God is asking. <laughs> You'd be like, uh-oh, something's up, right? Isn't that what you want? Of course, because you want your children to trust you. And so God sometimes tells us no, even to good things. And I wonder, which one of you today needs that specific word? You just need to be okay with his no. 
So that's the negative part, or what be, could be perceived as the negative part. It really isn't negative if you think about it, because God's no's are not about punishment, and they're not about pain, and they're not about hurting us. God's no's are always about protecting us. Think about that. What are some of the things God says no to? I, I know, i got to move on, but this is so fun. Some of the things God says no to. Uh, uh, he, he says no to sexual promiscuity, right? He's drawn some very tight boundaries between uh, uh, for for uh, for sex and and, and uh, sexual relations. Very very tight boundaries. And here's what they are: a husband or, or a man and a woman become one flesh. They join into a a lifetime. Uh, relationship and in that lifetime relationship they only know each other for their whole life now that's God's that's God's ideal that's God's God's plan so the world's way of doing it is just whoever looks good whatever feels good whenever it feels good go for it there are zero boundaries for the world when it comes to uh, uh, trying to, you know, it's like talking to your grandma about sex. It's kind of hard, you know. A <laughs> little uncomfortable, i got to be honest with you. So you all know what I'm saying, right? I know we don't get tied up in these things, but... So God says, what am I saying? What was I saying? <sighs> yes, the world is crazy. Oh, yeah. There are, there are no boundaries. And, and, and God says, look, I have. So, so you tell me this. What good has ever come from sex outside of the boundaries God has built for it? You tell me one sexual relationship outside of those boundaries that has not led to brokenness or pain or confusion or chaos or disease or, or some, some sort of, of uh, unwanted pregnancy or, 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 or what. You, you tell me one time that, that outside of God's boundaries, it was a good thing. There's not one. And yet we go... God's so, so limiting. No, he's a father. He's a father who loves his children. He says, if you will believe me when I tell you no, even if you don't think it, 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 it's the right thing, just believe the character of who says no, and you will live. And that's just one out of however many no's that God gives. His no's are always for a purpose and always for a reason. But then sometimes God says yes, doesn't he? In fact, I would like to think that God says yes more than he says no. Well, I, I believe this because I believe God's character and nature is one of goodness. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, right? We know that, that, that within God's nature, he's, he's a father. And as a father, I only say no so that I can say yes. I only say no for safety and protection and for the welfare of my child. But in saying no about a thing, I'm saying yes to, to health and safety and protection, right? So this is what God does. But now let me... Let me say that sometimes God says yes to teach us that we should have listened to his no. Open your Bibles, if you will, to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Another one of those stories that, that we <clears throat> kind of put back in the back of our minds and it reminds us when we want to get ahead of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 8, starting at verse 4. Now, to kind of set the scene in the context of this, 
Samuel was the prophet, and he spoke to the Israelites for God. Now, Israel didn't have a king like all the other nations. They had a prophet. They had a preacher. And the preacher was responsible to God and for the people. So God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would say, this is what the Lord says. The people would say, okay, prophet, if that's what you say. And so in chapter 8, verse 4, so all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel. Oops. And they said to him, you are old. (laughs) This is great. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods. So they are doing to you the same. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly, and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And then the story continues. But here's what happened. The people said to Samuel, Samuel, you're getting old and you're going to die eventually. And we don't like your sons because they don't follow the Lord. And so, Samuel, we're here as a group to tell you what we want as a nation. We want a king because every other nation has a king and because every other nation has a king, they have a leader, they have someone they can they can follow. We want the same thing. We need the same thing. And this displeased Samuel. It it caused him stress. And so he went to the Lord and he prayed about it. There's a whole nother sermon in that, by the way. You can just preach it to yourself this week. The whole and here's where you start. When there's a problem, instead of going to somebody else, go to the Lord. That's where you start on that one. And so Samuel went to the Lord and said, Lord, I don't know what to do. And the Lord's response was this. I'm going to say yes to them. Because this is not something new. They have wanted a king for years. They've just been tolerating a prophet. And they're not rejecting you as the prophet. They're rejecting me as their God. Now listen very closely. What the people wanted was somebody they could sit in a throne and follow. They did not want to follow what God said. They wanted to follow what man said. They wanted to be like everybody else. And so God said, look, I'm going to give them what everybody else has. I'm going to say yes to them, even though my answer is no. Not because they pestered him enough but because he was about to show the people the wickedness of their ways. Now, folks, this is a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. Amen? You ever been there? I've been there. I told this story on Wednesday night. I'm going I'm to share, share it with you again real fast. I'll never forget when I was in college, the Lord taught me, never, ever, ever leave a church unless I say to leave a church. I was serving this little church in Hermitage, Tennessee, First Baptist Church of Hermitage, a little teeny tiny place. I was the music director, or maybe they called me song leader. It was one of those lesser titles. I, 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 I can tell you, as an 18-year-old college kid, I wasn't the, I, 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 I wasn't the well, let's just say I was, I was learning, okay? I hadn't quite got my hands in my mouth to work together yet, but I was the best they could get, right? So I was serving this church, and I was there about seven or eight, nine months. And I started thinking to myself, you know, this is Nashville, Tennessee. There's there's churches everywhere that need music people. And, you know, that was the 90s, the mid-90s. And so uh, uh, it it was becoming more contemporary, and they were were a very traditional church. And I thought to myself, you know, as an 18-year-old, I probably have more skills than what belong in this church. Now, you can see the problem here, right? And I said, I'm going to just go to a place that, that fits me better. You can see that problem, right? Me, 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 me. And, I, and, and so I said, Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to resign and I'm going to go find another place. And the Lord, just as clear as I've ever heard him before, said, Jeff, don't go anywhere. Stay where you are. And, and he used 
uh, I believe it was Psalm 23, uh, stay in the land and enjoy safe pasture. That's not Psalm 23, is it? It's, it's whatever Psalm says that. He, 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 said, Lord, he said, Jeff, stay there and enjoy safe pasture. And so I decided to do what anybody else would have done. I went and I asked my friends what they thought about what God said. Can you see the problem here? And of course, I asked my buddies, and I said, hey, what would you do in my situation? Dude, man, yeah, I would totally leave. <laughs> then I said, yeah, but the Lord said, he goes, ah, I don't really think the Lord said that. The Lord wouldn't do that to you. So I, as a good, faithful follower of Jesus, listened to my friends. I resigned, and I left. And guess what? For an entire year, nobody would touch me with a 10-foot pole. I went from church interview to church interview to church interview, and nobody would hire me. I mean, churches that were desperate to hire somebody would not hire me. Now, this isn't a place where there are a thousand churches, half of them needed somebody to lead the music, and they didn't want me, and I started feeling dejected, and I started feeling, what's wrong with me? And every time the Lord reminded me, I told you to stay. He gave me a yes because I would not accept his no, and I paid a price for it. And then after a full year, the Lord asked me, he said, Jeff, have you learned your lesson? And I said, yes, Lord, I think I have. He said, well, then I'm going to go ahead and give you a place. He put me in a place, and I was able to serve there. And here's the thing. I was rejecting God. By rejecting the job. What the Lord had in store wasn't what I wanted, but it was best for me and for his kingdom. And he gave me what I wanted, but he was doing it to show me what I really wanted. Does that make sense? Because I didn't even know what I wanted. That's why he told Samuel, he said, go ahead and tell them, yes, the Lord's going to give you a king. But he said, um, verse 9, listen to them, say yes, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. If you hear nothing else I hear today, which I hope you do, but hear this. If God gives you a yes to teach you something, it's going to cost you. Amen? Now, just by show of hands, make sure I'm not the only one that's ever dealt with this. How many of you have dealt with this? The Lord said yes to you, and you have paid a price, right? Did you learn your lesson? (laughs) I hope so. You know, from that day forward, I've never left a place... No matter how bad or how good it was, unless I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord said, it's now time to go. That's why I've told you before, I will never leave this place unless you tell me to go or unless the Lord tells me to go. Because I've paid a price before. And it's not good. So here's the thing. Sometimes God says yes, and we really should have accepted the no. But there are a whole host of things that God says yes to that are not negative, they're not painful, they're not hard, they're not harsh. They're things that he as a father wants to bless us with and through. If you turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. And and this is the essence of what I want to say to you this morning. The essence of Of God saying yes is this. God has a whole host of yeses. That he's already said. You just need to believe him. I should be able to stop there. But I can't. Because we have this thing about believing God sometimes. We know God says things up here. We know in our minds that God says things. But believing them in our hearts is a whole other story. In John chapter 14, he begins this, this, this um, 
this message, this, uh, this conversation that lasts for a couple of chapters. And in it is some of the most endearing, some of the most intimate, um, some of the most encouraging things that you could ever hear Jesus say. But overall, this entire passage is about us believing the words of Jesus. Let's start in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That word believe in the Greek is not just a head knowledge. It is a verb. You trust in God. You are trusting in God. Continue also to trust in me. Place your faith. That means there's action. My father, verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. So he begins this passage by saying, listen, you believe in God, believe in me. Because I am God in the flesh. He said, everything that you believe about God, you're now seeing with your eyes, you're hearing with your ears. What I believe happens to us as believers is we get into our, we get into our life of faith and And we start with this wide-eyed, open trust. Yeah, great, great, great. And then we start, you know, doing church and and our our faith gets a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller and a little bit smaller because we start getting a little more realistic and we start getting a little more pessimistic maybe, right? Right? Is that? And before long, we've put God in this little bitty, itty box. And based on what denomination we are or based on what teaching we've had, God becomes this... This, this nice, neat package. But I want to say to you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a God who fits in any of our boxes. He is a God who is all-powerful. He is a God who is all-knowing. He is a God who is all-loving. He is a God who is all-seeing. He is a God who makes a way where there is no way. He is a God who gives water in the desert. He is a God who makes dry bones live. And it's the same God that you and I serve. Why in the world would we not believe that God is the same God of the Bible? We look with our eyes and we see the impossible and we say, oh, what are we going to do? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to believe God. We're not going to listen to what our eyes say. We're going to listen to what Jesus has said. Because Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, I only speak the truth. Then if you continue through this passage, he says, I only say what my Father tells me to say. So everything that Jesus says, you can take straight from the voice of God. Our problem is not knowing what Jesus said as much as it is believing what he said. And what he says, his yes is yes and his no is no. Can I get a witness? We're so timid sometimes and we're so we're so faithless sometimes. Listen. Jesus said, unless you're like a little child. You can have a part of him. You know what a child is like? He's my dad. Of course he will. My daughter said something to me this past week that I, it, 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 I can't explain to you what it did in, in me. Now, she was wrong. But the fact that she thought it and said it out loud was one of those in the face things and I, and I was reminded this is the way I need to look at my father in heaven it happened to be really early in the morning or late at night depending on which way you want to look at it it was about two in the morning we were laying floor down in my house if you follow on Facebook you see we've we did a lot of flooring this week 
It's about two in the morning. All the kids were there. My, my neighbor was actually over. Uh, Hannah's boyfriend was there, and we were all on the ground. We were doing flooring, and I think Garrett asked, said, how do you know how to do this? And without even skipping a beat, my daughter Hannah said, oh, my dad knows how to do everything. I pretended like I didn't hear it, but you got to believe. I... <clears throat> Man, I was like, yeah. And, here, and it dawned on me, that's what I believed about my father. Now, and, and then I got older and I realized that was, that was not really true. There were things that he couldn't do, and I was okay with that because a human being is supposed to be human. And at some point, Hannah's going to realize this about me. That's okay. But the very fact that she believed it made me think she trusts me. And that is what your Father in Heaven wants from you. Childlike faith. Do you want to know why Hannah said that and why she believes that? Because she's watched me. And somehow or another, she has seen enough to think, Dad's got it covered. That is exactly what your Father in Heaven wants you to believe about Him. Now look, we're all frail humans. I mean, we're tough and strong most of the time, but there are points at which we just get, get to that, that very bottom of the barrel and we go, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's the moment at which I'm reminding you to remember that Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Believe everything that I've ever said. Folks, listen, if it is in red, you can believe it. So believe it and live like you do. The only caution I would give you is this. Don't take as a command something that was a unique situation. So in other words, don't say more than what God has said, but don't say less than what God has said either. What we're really good about is saying less than what God has said. Oh, that was him then. Surely that's not him now. No, the same God. So much more that I want to share with you. But I think that's enough. Will you believe God? Will you believe the words of, of Jesus? So what do you do from here? Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back and, and I'm going to reread the red stuff. And I'm going to, like a child, just go, okay, that's what he said. I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to start putting into practice the best I can. If he said it, it's a done deal. And if I get it wrong, I'm at least going to get it wrong because of faith, not because of doubt. And that's what I'm asking you to do. If you're going to get it wrong, at least get it wrong because you believed God, not because you didn't believe God. Amen? Isn't it better to err on the side of faith than it is on the side? I think that's a lot of what happened with Jesus when he healed people. You know, I think, I think the woman who was suffering with bleeding for 12 years walked through the crowd and she, she reached out and she touched him. Here's the thing that, that it, it dawned on me this past week while I was looking at this. She wasn't healed because, of, because she had faith she would be healed. She was healed because she believed Jesus. It wasn't faith in an action. It was faith in a person, which is different. Our faith doesn't need to be in an action. Our faith needs to be in a person. Jesus, I believe you. Even today when we've got computers and technologies and airplanes, I believe you. You are greater than all these things because when none of these things still are, you will still be. That's a good way to live. Amen? I hope you've been encouraged today. I hope that your faith has been built today. And I hope that if God has been telling you no, you'll kind of chill 
today and stop pursuing that which he's already said no about. You don't want to cross that line. You don't want to cross that line. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I I praise you. I lift up your name today. Jesus, you are the king of all kings. You are the God who has rescued us. You've redeemed us. At your own cost. Father, I pray that this day you would give us faith. The kind of faith that is biblical faith. Father, I pray that today you would help us to believe what you've said. Lord, I thank you for your church. Lord, I pray that just as iron sharpens iron, so we would sharpen one another. I pray that when one of us' faith is weak, there would be somebody right there to lift us up, that we would lend each other faith. And Father, we don't have faith for ourselves. We don't have faith because we want wealth and prosperity and all those things. God, we want faith simply because we want to believe in you. Because Jesus, it is all about you. So Father, I pray now for your church, for the deepest needs that are represented here in this room. Whatever it is that's going on, I pray, Father, that you would remind each person of the truths of your word. Help us to lift up our eyes and see that our redemption draws nigh. We ask this in Jesus' name. Find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at FBC Gulf Breeze.